Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the FPL podcast from Fantasy Football Community, the show that embraces everything about the world of fantasy football. I am Mark Jobling and with me today is well-known pundit Lewis from FPL Reactions. Hello, Lewis. Hi, Mark. Good to be back uh, doing this again. We're recording this on Thursday, so it's the day before the big day, isn't it? So it's sort of kind of, is it the calm before the storm? I don't know. Um we're going to yeah. find out in a minute what what both of our teams seem to be and and whether that remains the case by half six tomorrow is uh, something hmm. to note. Yeah, really good. It's going to be really busy, isn't it? Um, now I'm trying to make decisions and it's it, it, you start questioning every decision, don't you? So be interested to see uh, how you've gone, the route that you've took um, to complete your squad. Yeah, absolutely, because a few things have happened this week and judging from today, some quite big things are about to happen, possibly too late for FPL, but we we have seen Arsenal defeat Man City in the Community Shield and the Champions also bought Josko Kvardiol for £77 and then Manchester United finally captured their big money forward in Rasmus Hoyland. And uh, we've also seen Wolves change manager right at the last minute with Lopetegui being replaced by Gary O'Neill. But today's latest development on the Harry Kane situation, it could go either way. And I guess by the time this goes out, uh, we might already have a decision. But it sort of sounds like the bid has been accepted from Bayern, but Kane isn't completely sold on it anymore. Like, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I think I think um, Spurs and Spurs and Bayern have been locked in talks, haven't they, for quite a while? And it's just a case of does does Kane want to leave at this point, this late, close to the season? Because the season's only date, well, a couple of days away now. So you know he's going to have to change a lot just before the season starts, isn't he? And it's ongoing situations like this, which are making it very hard to settle on an initial squad. I think, are, are you 
if Kane stays, are you thinking? Are you now thinking about having Kane, or if he leaves the Richarlison route, perhaps? What it was? Where's your head out with that? I mean, it has so many implications, doesn't it? Kane potentially leaving to to Bayern. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. One of them is kind of the you know the kind of emergence of Richarlison, a midfielder in the game, could be potentially starting as a as, as a striker. I mean, we know how good Kane is, and we we know that Carlson maybe isn't as good as as of a finisher as Kane is. Well, we we know for a fact he isn't. Um, but I think with the with the new manager coming on board, Spurs look a lot lot better in terms of going forward. You know, they're they're much more exciting to watch, and I think Carlson could be potentially a, a great asset. Maybe not as good as Kane, but you kind of don't need that, do you? For what about seven million pounds? So, mm. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think. When preseason started, Spurs were one of the sides that we had most questions about, and here we are, so close to the season starting, and we still have some questions on them. So, uh, any sort of development um, before the Friday deadline will be much appreciated. And I'm sure Harry Kane has the FPL community in mind here when he makes his decision. Um, yeah. So, we are just hours away, really, from locking in these initial squads and as a reminder yes the deadline is friday at 6 30 p.m uk time because friday night is the opening match burnley hosting manchester city and lewis we're both going to go over our final drafts here our game week one teams we had a similar chat two weeks ago i know that but um how how settled are you with with this lot well, I've been kind of tinkering a lot over the past couple of days, but I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of sat-ish. I mean, it doesn't help, you know, with the Kane news, potentially the draft could change there. Um, but then maybe maybe the likes of Ricardos and, and, and um, Madison and we'll wait and see. But yeah, no, I mean, if I just reel off uh, my squad now, and so I have, currently in goal, I have St. Um, have Johnstone at the Crystal Palace goalkeeper. Palace were great defensively last season. I think they kept the, the fourth best expected goals conceded. So I really like Johnstone. He's got some nice fixtures as well, 4.5 million. So the 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 big change down in terms of goalkeeper is the fact that I got rid of Onana and moved to Johnstone to save the 0.5. Um, I've also lost Trent since the last time we spoke as well. And I know I was kind of big on Trent, but you know, you know what preseason like the, the appeal of a player can, can drop uh, dramatically, can't it? So, uh, yeah. So firstly, before I touch on the defense, the kind of my reserve goalkeeper is still Ariola. Now, Matt Turner has joined um, Nottingham Forest, but he, he hasn't joined the game yet as a, a kind of not from Nottingham Forest goalkeeper. So he's still at Arsenal. So I can't really make that change because I've got triple Arsenal anyway. That makes sense. So I'm kind of waiting on that to happen, but also kind of have to be, you know, quite wary that they could also sign Henderson as well, which could cause some kind of conflict in terms of minutes there. But yeah, so at the moment, goalkeepers, Johnstone, 4.5 million, Ariola. Four million, but the four million pound call keeps likely to change there. In terms of defence, Gabriel is still 
in my draft. He's been in all my drafts, so very likely that he, well, it's also it's almost guaranteed that he'll he'll stay in my draft. I just like the fixtures. I also like his goal threat as well. So yeah, he he kind of feels like a no brainer at five million. Another one that hasn't really left uh, a single draft yet is Purvis Astapinan, uh, the Brighton fullback. For those that didn't know, he was their most dangerous defender in terms of expected goal involvement. So very happy with Astapinan at the moment. Now I know his fixtures turn um, around, around game week four, um, three or four. So I do need to kind of put some thought towards that. My third midfielder is is uh, third defender. Sorry, is Ben Chilwell. So it's the three at the back. I was kind of on the fence of who to start with out of John Stones and Ben Chilwell. I didn't want to back four, and I also didn't really want to bench any of them. And we've seen we've seen how good Chilwell has been pre-season. You know, mm. he's taken he's taken all the corners. He's taken he's taken corners on both sides. By the way, with Reese James on the on the pitch at the same time. And yeah, I mean, Chilwell, he's, he's he's practically had a shot in the box in in most of the games that he's featured in during preseason. I kind of expect that to continue as well. And I'm also not really scared by that first Liverpool fixture for Chilwell either, because okay, I'm not going into this week, into the first game week, expecting a clean sheet as much. But definitely, you know, there is the potential for attacking returns there. And, you know, if he's playing against Trent on that right-hand side, you know, Trent's going to probably leave a lot of space. So I think there's there's huge potential for Chilwell there. That's it, isn't it? That, that, that match could be seen in two positive ways because either it's another nil-nil between them. They've had quite a few nil-nils recently, Chelsea and Liverpool, yeah. which is good for Chilwell. Or... It's not nil-nil because he's exploiting that trend space. So, and then attack and return probably. So in both ways, that looks like not a game to be scared of. Yeah, 100%. I was also tempted to go for a Chelsea attacker, but I'm not quite quite convinced uh, yet. But yeah, no, in terms of the, uh, in terms of Chilwell, I'm I'm also going to want him long-term as well because the fixture's, get really, really good around game week three. But I also don't think West Ham in game week two is that bad either. So I kind of feel like I'm going to... I kind of feel like if I bench Chilwell, I'd really regret it. Um, but yeah, that Stones is on my mind though. Um, he, he is a player that I have looked at. You know, we know how good Manchester City are defensively. They're likely to keep clean sheets. John Stones is also playing in midfield. But with Kyle Walker back, I'm not too sure how much John Stones is going to going to get forward so that's something i kind of need to look at too so john stone the goalkeeper yes but john stones the defender no yes so john at the stone, moment no john stones yeah yeah right. john stones Just john out. stones <laughs> is uh is is definitely um under consideration at the moment so yeah if i just move on to midfield i've got double Arsenal attack. I've got Bakayo Saka. He's, I think, he's pretty much nailed in most drafts um, that I've seen. You know, there's, there's not much to not like about Saka. He, he's obviously the penalty taker, or at least we hope so. We expect so. Um, after he missed, uh, I think he missed a penalty in preseason, but then he also scored in the Community Shield, didn't he? So kind of that 
hopefully writes that wrong. But, but yeah, no, Saka's always been nailed. He he's also got my vice captain, see, um, armband on as well. I'm not too sure how much that will mean. Um, Martinelli is my second Arsenal attacker. I really like Martinelli. He did really well last season, and although many kind of are questioning his minutes, how you know, kind of will he come off late as a Serb? He's just so effective when he does play, and I just think he 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 has the potential to outscore kind of any of those kind of mid-price players. Um, it's his main is goal threat. He's got great great goal threat. He's he's quite a selfish player, which I like as well because. It just means he, he shoots all the time. So I really like Martinelli. Really convinced by the Arsenal attack in general, to be honest. I, I know they scored the second most goals last season, but every time they go forward, they look like scoring. So for me, um, Martinelli is, is definitely someone I want in my draft as well. And that, may, that move came from Gabriel Jesus' injury because, I mean, the Jesus injury changed a lot for us, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's uh, it even started bringing people like Trossard potentially um, onto the radar, but um, that might be one risk too far. Maybe Havertz is slightly he's sort of a, in the middle ground between template, but also he should get a lot of minutes. But yeah, that that Jesus injury changed changed quite a bit. Yeah, hundred percent. So Martinelli and Saka. Um, two of my five man midfield, so it is a four five two currently. Bruno Fernandez, he is he. I really like Bruno Fernandez. You know, he takes he takes the set pieces. He's got he's got a great pass as well. Probably maybe second second in the league to Kevin De Bruyne in terms of um, chances created. Now Manchester United actually created the second most chances last season. Bruno was one of the biggest uh, chance creators. So I'm hoping uh, Bruno's stats continue that way, but United kind of put more chances away. And I'm hoping the new striker signing will do that. And I think that kind of benefits Bruno Fernandes. He also takes penalties as well, which is a huge factor. And he's also kind of easy to downgrade or, you know, if you needed... Salah or someone, he feels like he'd be the first to get sacrificed as well. So yeah, I'm happy starting with Bruno Fernandez and I'm kind of I'm Rashford, another player similar to Saka who, you know, hasn't left a single draft. I'm really confident with Rashford. Um, he had I think the second most shots in the box last season in terms of midfields behind Salah. He pretty much came. Second behind Salah for everything um, in terms of underlying attacking stats, apart from big chances, he had one more big chance than Salah. And when you get him, uh, when you get him more big chances than Salah, it's only a good sign, isn't it? So yeah. I think Rashford is uh, is a definite uh, nailed into my draft. The last midfielder, it's a tricky one. The six, I really like the six point five midfielders, and I'd be interested to hear your take on them when going for your own team. I've settled at the moment with Mbumo. Now I know there was, I know he's flagged on FPL at the moment. He might even be flagged towards the deadline or you know when this video goes out. But we've seen him back in training now. Um, you know, uh, Brantford uh, tw- uh, posted a, a 
comment on Instagram just just to show him in full training. So he looks good to go. He's taking penalties. We also get that kind of he's taking set pieces as well. We also get that kind of talismanic vibe um, with with Mbuma that you know he's really going to lead the line at, at Brantford. Now we know Wiss is probably going to come in and out and, and and start attack, but I I do think that Mbuma will end up as the most advanced player through large parts of the game, especially in the final third. And um, But yeah, I mean, I you know, it's, it would be hard for me to rule out the likes of Matoma at Brighton and also Eze at Palace. But at the moment, I'm pretty settled on and, and Bumo. So just the um, two strikers in attack, and then I'll kind of go through my bench after that. Haaland, don't really need to say much about Haaland. You know, he's in everyone's team. Uh, I have settled for Ollie Watkins at the moment. Um, we have had a bit of news today, time of kind of pre-recording that uh, Buendia has, I think he's damaged his knee ligament, which could potentially be a huge loss to Aston Villa attack. We know Buendia has been heavily involved in the, you know, the pre-season goals. Uh, he's got probably as much, if not more than Watkins. So, it's kind of made me question the Watkins um, pick a little bit, but Watkins isn't there just because he's Watkins. He's kind of there to, as a placeholder, for me to potentially move on to the likes of, uh, you know, and Kunku if he comes back fit early, or Jackson, probably more likely to be Jackson if we see that Chelsea are creating without and Kunku. So, so yeah, Watkins is there for that reason. I'm not completely sold on the first fixture against Newcastle you know Newcastle is going to be a really tough fixture for for Villa um and without Buendia it could be even tougher but you know we we have to look at Watkins after that you know he's he's got some great fixtures he's got Evan after that Burnley after that and, and Liverpool who I see is a good fixture to attack especially with the high line um yeah so in terms of the bench it's again already uh, mentioned Ariola, he's likely to change. I've got quite a weak bench actually, so I've got George Bulldog, Sheffield United wing back. So he he's a player I really like as well because although I might not necessarily use him that much, I just think he, well he scored in preseason. You know he showed he's got attacking threat, but he's also got a couple of good fixtures to start. With. So he's got Palace. So potentially if something. If someone uh, missed a game, you know, coming against Palace or he coming against Nottingham Forest in game week two. So, yeah, he's 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 someone I like just sat there on the bench. Um, Issa Kabore, another wing back, but for Luton. Luton actually have pretty good fixtures early on. So, I mean, there's there's a little bit of flexibility there in the four million pound defenders. So two four, four million defenders on the bench there. And Mubama, the, uh, the West Ham strike, who's third on the bench and unlikely to ever feature um, and I've got one million in the bank and I'm pretty happy with this draft so far to be honest Mark yeah one million in the in the bank so that that, that that's uh that allows a bit of flexibility should certain bandwagons emerge listen um I was interested to see what you were thinking about Watkins versus Jackson because yeah, because Nkunku's injured, which probably secures Jackson's minutes. But um, as as a Chelsea fan yourself, are, are you maybe thinking that 
the extra minutes don't make up for the fact that the team's probably going to suffer, maybe? Yeah, it's a difficult, difficult one, isn't it? Because with Nkunku out, Jackson, um, um, of course, Chelsea's still yet to sign a striker. It, of course, if Chelsea sign a striker, um, then that changes everything. And um, and um, Jackson's minutes could be a risk. But until we do, Jackson is pretty nailed to start as a striker. And um, I think he's less likely to be served off early as well. We saw in pre-season that he was substituted off early and then Kunku would take over the striker's role. But I don't really see that happening now. We haven't really got many options. We haven't got a lot of depth in the forward role. But yes, it is an interesting topic, isn't it? You know, do the minutes make up for the for the kind of quality that we're going to see from Chelsea? And the I mean, the straightforward answer is I'm not actually sure. Although you know the likes of Mudrick, Chilwell is fit. You know, he he can bomb forward, he can create. It, the left side of Chelsea is almost definitely the the strongest, and I think with Mudrick, he's He's progressing as well. He's looking a lot better. He's looking faster. He's got a great goal in pre-season. He's looking more like the player Chelsea bought. The one I watched in the Champions League for for a couple of years. So he's getting there. And I think if he does get there, he could be massive for Jackson. And um, so, yeah, potentially that left side of Chelsea being the strongest to kind of create for, for Jackson. Now I know that doesn't completely answer the question that you asked me, um, but I, I do I do think that the Watkins Jackson decision could go either way. I, I'm I'm even tempted to kind of go with Jackson to start the season with, but then I always question myself and say, is that Chelsea bias kicking in or, you know? So yeah, I've I've got Watkins at the moment. I really don't know if. Um, if Jackson's going to be a great option, you know, without the kind of creativity of Nkunku. But I also don't think he's going to be a bad option. You know, he, he we're going to get chances against Liverpool because of the high line. And like I said, you know, that, that left side, that, that right side, sorry, where Trent plays, it, you know, there tends to be a lot of space for, for kind of players to run into and, and, and create chances. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's interesting. What what's your um the four point five midfielder of choice? Do you think is it Carney Chuck Wormaker? Chuck Wormaker? Yeah, Chuck Wormaker. He's so he's he been really Yeah, yeah. I would I would label him as a short term option, a hundred percent. Because I mean we don't we never expect much from from four point five million pound midfielders do we I mean not at least until last year when Andreas Pereira started you know really uh, really kind of performing but in terms of Chuck Wormaker he without Nkunku we have less options in the number 10 role now so it, it's it's kind of it's very likely that Chuck Wormaker will will start in the 10 role where he was I thought really effective actually in pre-season he got a, a an assist, a fantasy assist. He, he looked really bright, wanted to go forward, always looking to break into the box, which he did on several occasions. So I do I do think that if you are back in a four point five million pound midfielder, then you could back Chuck Wilmaker short term. And 
we kind of also have to remember that Chuck Wemaker, he he's still probably going to feature after that, so he might get a few starts to start the season, but he's still going to come on and feature late for Chelsea, even when Nkunku comes back. So I do think he's an interesting option. And I do think if you wanted a £4.5 million defender, Chuck Wemaker would be would be the one I would pick, certainly, anyway. So you've so just to go over your team again, it's John Sam Johnston and goal, Gabriel Estepinian, Chilwell, five member field of Saka, Martinelli, Rashford, Fernandez, and Bumo, and then Harland Watkins up front, three five two, with one million in the bank. I got to say, mine um, is pretty similar to that. Um, yeah, and I guess such as the nature of. Sort of, if if you're working within FPL and writing about it a lot, I guess it makes sense that sort of general opinion starts to take over and the template takes over. But um, there's definitely been some thoughts over the last few days about whether a more Salah team could be achieved. He's so much more expensive than those midfielders. But there was a draft. I did a draft with him and. I suppose it hinged on Jao Pedro being a 5.5 million option for Brighton, but some of the drafts weren't that bad, really. It was only sacrificing Fernandez, And that game week two against Bournemouth is very tempting, but I guess it's dangerous to sort of completely change the structure of your side with all hopes pinned on one player in one match. I mean, that's bound to go wrong, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Were you ever... I must I must admit I have actually tried to draft. I did actually come out with a draft with Jao Pedro um, and Salah in, and it, like you said, you know, it it wasn't that bad um, to look at, but something just I, I just didn't feel comfortable with it still, and I'm not, I can't explain why, but yeah, I just I just feel like I wasn't comfortable with it. Um, so yeah, that's where I was at. I think also some of these teams now, like. We are having maybe half a million, one million, maybe even more than that in the bank. And a Salah team probably isn't going to do that. And for some reason, the idea now of having no money left over, it almost feels like a negative thing. Like if if one of the 6.5 mids, if you wanted to turn him into a Richarlison or a Madison, it it, it would need a second transfer now. And realistically... If you commit to more Salah, I mean, he's fixture-proof. He's he's like an elite FPL asset. Are people really going to sub Salah out in game week three? Especially if if the Bournemouth game does go to plan and he does score. Are people really going to remove him at that point? Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, I think as I've as I've kind of made a new draft and then, you know, repeatedly made new drafts, I found myself with more money. And I'm not too sure I did that on purpose, but then I got used to having money in the bank. So when I made a draft without money in the bank, yeah, again, I didn't mm. feel comfortable with it. And, you know, being able to move on the likes of, you know, Purvis Astapinan, who's who's five million, you know, and potentially going up, you know, just having that flexibility, having that extra 0.5 or million in the bank or whatever it is, you know, it helps to do that exactly, you know, exactly how you said it. Yeah, and it would require sacrifices like maybe having Colwell instead of Chilwell. That that saves a million, and, and that's okay if if Colwell 
if, if he is nailed on at Chelsea, but then the kind of whole point of it wasn't so much to get Chelsea's clean sheet. It was, it was to get the supreme attackingness of Chilwell. So I feel like that doesn't really, if you're not going to go Chilwell and you're going to go 4.5, then it doesn't have to be him sort of thing. So there was, there was sacrifices that needed to be made throughout the squad. And then there's the sort of eventual Jao Pedro rotation that will happen. Although there is always the, the debate about how, how short term should we be thinking? How long term should we be thinking? Because yeah, if we're not getting Jao Pedro because after game week three or four he's going to rotate, but what if he hauls before then? Like we we do have free transfers, but um, I've sort of lean towards. There was another thought which is it's sort of it's sort of good etiquette, isn't it, to sort of save your game week two free transfer and have a couple saved up for game week three, but it doesn't have to be like that. And especially with a lot of the popular template players, they all seem to have a fantastic game week three fixture. So if we do save up two transfers, we might actually be struggling to use it at that point, because I think all the Arsenal and Man United guys are at home with great fixtures. And so it did sort of have the thought that, well, to cover Salah, if it becomes a bit clearer in the build-up to that Bournemouth game in game week two, if it becomes clear who plays alongside him, like Jota or Darwin, could that be a game week two transfer? Yeah, I think so. And I think, firstly, what what is worth mentioning is that as FPL managers, we do plan long-term, don't we? And I think one of the things that I've noticed or one of the key decisions a lot of people are having to make is whether to go Chelsea first, because the plan was originally for many managers, you know, before we saw how good Chelsea, how much Chelsea improved in pre-season, the plan was to go without any Chelsea players, monitor them and then bring them in for game week three. So that's where everyone's transfers were sort of, you know, planned to be used. But now there's kind of, now that a lot of people are starting with the likes of Chilwell or are starting with the likes of Jackson, it's one last transfer to have to use, if that makes sense. So there is there is kind of flexibility there um, from that, you know, from not having to bring in Chelsea players in game week three. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of wiggle room there, isn't there? Yeah, especially if, if you start the season with sort of a long-term defence. Um, so like guys like Chilwell from the start. So if you get to game week three, and you've got a long-term defence, and you've got two transfers. Well, yeah, the Arsenal guys are at home. I can't remember who it's against, but it's, it's a really good fixture. I think Man United are at home to Nottingham Forest that week. So, yeah, there's no point waste, like, burning a transfer, almost being too good with your initial team. So if, um, if for example, Diego Jota looked fairly certain to start in game week two, he could could use a transfer to get him in with the money left over and you still have a strong game week three, but I don't know. It's probably not going to happen. That thought. It was it just, it was just... Another, another kind of interesting point is you are right because around game week three um, Spurs, they play. So Spurs have a, an interesting start to the season, don't they? They play Brantford and Man United, which could Brantford away and Man United at home and both 
I, I mean, I would expect them to be quite tough for Spurs. You know, a lot of people aren't, are on the fence about what we're going to see from Spurs. So it's funny because their fixtures actually turn in game week three. So they, they play Bournemouth, Burnley and Sheffield United. So that's that's another another time that, you know, people could be looking to use their save transfers around game week three on the, on the, on the Spurs assets, you know, for those that kind of wanted to wait and see. Well, that was it. Um, certainly when it comes to picking this initial side and having that money in the bank, it would be great to end again week three with with the flexibility to bring in Richarlison or Madison uh, or even Sun. If, if he, um, he, Sun hasn't had a good preseason, but it doesn't really count for anything when the season's on the way. You could score a hat-trick at Brentford and then all of a sudden he's uh, he's a bandwagon to to get on to but as i say i've I've got a few changes from you so i I do still have onana in goal yeah instead of johnston um mainly because i really want man united coverage and if it was because yes if if matt turner is moved over to nottingham forest in time he does rotate quite well with some 4.5 4.5 goalkeepers like Johnston and Pickford and stuff. It does, yeah. That was very tempting to sort of go that route. But then I'd still want Luke Shaw in defence and that would probably be instead of Chilwell and I really want Chilwell. So it's it's sort of, you can't have them all really. So it, as of now, it's still Onana. Um, and then just like you, it's it's Gabriel, Estepinian, Chilwell, Imidfield, Saka, Rashford, Fernandez, and then I've been on on Mbumo. I've sort of been on him from day one because I just love yeah. the idea of it. But his ownership is really dropping quite a lot. It's practically down to ten percent now, which has real differential potential actually. But um, it does seeing things like that does sort of make you start to doubt yourself and think, well, actually, is he being overhyped? You know, is is it is this a trap that? We inevitably get into every season, every preseason. There's mm. somebody who, uh, you know, Pedro Neto, for example, and you do start overthinking about that. Is is Mbumo the one? And if there's only one spot for a six point five, should it be him or Matoma or even Eze? Um, quite like the I think. I think if they, I think if FPL update the flag because at the moment he's still flagged, isn't he? Yeah. So I think that naturally will pull his ownership down. So I think if they can remove if they do remove that flag, we could well see Ambumo's ownership drop back up. Mm, possibly. And then there's Matoma who seems to be a fairly well the least bad option in Brighton's attack. Uh, it, it looks they have so many individuals and that's before they buy Kudus from Ajax, yeah. which has been rumored. So it's just gonna be crazy. Um and Matoma seems to be the I wouldn't say safest, but the le- the less obvious rotation there. So, but there's yeah. still a short termism to having him because I certainly wouldn't be that confident beyond game week three, and don't really want to have transfers pre-booked, really. Yeah. Um, but, and I do have the money to have Martinelli, like you do, and sort of have double Arsenal, double Man United in the midfield. Um, there's that fifth one. Um, but I currently have it as Matoma at the minute because 
I don't know, there's something about, I know this is sort of strange logic because we're going to have several transfers by game week four, but Arsenal play Man United in game week four. Mm. So like to have all four midfielders playing each playing against each other in a not very appealing match. I don't know. That, that's an interesting prospect, actually, isn't it? Interesting. But then, of course, by then, you could easily have subbed out Fernandez, and that problem is is uh, it's a moot point. So that one's a bit of a silly thought for me, in all honesty. But, yeah, Martinelli is he's almost irresistible. And I'm really sort of tempted to go him instead of Matoma mm. and have a little bit less in the bank. Because with 0.5 in the bank, there'll still be enough Roots to get a, a Tottenham midfielder, whether it's downgrading Fernandez or um, hopefully avoiding any price drops or price rises, and yeah, and Bumo could become that. Um, and yeah, also got Watkins up front as well. Um, I would have loved the idea of saving money and having a cheaper forward. Something like that could have enabled uh, a better defense with John Stones there as well, but. I just really have kind of faith in Watkins and he scored four times in preseason as well. Um, kind of in fear of Aston Villa a little bit, which sounds crazy. Like Newcastle uh, faced Villa on the opening day and would quite happily take a draw because I really think they are the real deal this season. So to have the the striker, the only striker that they have as well, in, in such a team with high expectations it, it, and they have Everton in the second week as well. So that one also brings the ability to downgrade. So the Watkins deal seems a sensible transfer for several reasons. Yeah. Um, Cause it's all about, as well as getting the early points on board, it's about having the flexibility, isn't it? So that by game week three and game week four, four when everything's been assessed, and the transfer window's closed, we can, I think very quickly, it sort of becomes clear what the team should be. So you're doing yourself a great favour by having a range of price points covered, a bit of money in the bank. And that's, I guess, ultimately, as much as I'm thinking about salad drafts and doing this or doing that, I think when it gets to half six on Friday, we're probably going to go for the very, very safe template team um, yeah i mean it, it it does feel safe but they're also really good options aren't they i suppose and you know we, we we you know you just mentioned watkins again i think that price point is really important because it kind of because we're obviously going to be learning about um teams as we go on and you know the likes of manchester city you know could we see julian alvarez um starting every game for manchester city and then you know, we could move Watkins to Alvarez. That's that's kind of just one example of what we can do. So yeah, I think the flexibility there is is really important. That's the thing about because Man Man City are playing first, and and there's a chance that we could get some some of those in the nose online. Maybe saying, for example, maybe Phil Foden starts. Maybe we before the deadline know that Foden starts against Burnley. Would that tempt you? to go forward instead of Martinelli, for example? No, I don't think it would. I think I think you're going to have the same problem with Phil Foden every single week. You know, it's, it, it would be nice to get some information to say he starts, uh, you know, in game week one, but then 
you know, you could be stuck with him for game week two, game week three. Yes, we could transfer him out, but then, you know, yeah, it's, all, it's all of that messing around, isn't it? So yeah. even if Foden starts for me against Burnley, although tempting, I would feel like I'm bringing in an issue into my team or bringing in an, an issue that I'm going to have to sort out eventually anyway. Yeah, I'm in the same position as you with that. I've just been burned so many times by by Foden before that it's and it's not like Martinelli. I mean, Martinelli still probably has the better game anyway. So yeah, I mean, if you if you kind of put Martinelli and, and Foden and, and and said they're both going to start, uh, you know, for the next four games, I kind of would still side probably with Martinelli. I know mm-hmm. Foden's excellent. You know, he's he's a great footballer. He 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 gets good output when he when he does play, but. I just, I just feel like Martinelli was such an attacking player last season, and um, and yeah, I think he, I think he made the top, what was it, top five or six highest scoring players um, mm. last season, and, and yeah, I think we're going to see something similar from him again this season. So that's so we're fairly in agreement with our teams mostly. I think now we're gonna go to some questions that we've asked. We've asked you the fantasy football community on Twitter or X or whatever it is now. And we asked you to send us some of your questions ahead of game week one. So I'm just going to pick out a few. Um, Lewis, if you don't mind answering some. Yep. So Chaz Bashel asks, what are your thoughts on Dominic Calvert-Lewin for a one-week differential? Yeah, he's an interesting one. I don't think he's going to start. I think there was, I think there's quite a lot of doubt of, about his fitness going into that. In fact, I did hear rumours that he wasn't going to start, and that Arnold Danjuma could start as uh, as the striker. So, in terms of that, uh, the uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin, I would probably avoid and monitor injury news for now. But it, it does kind of raise. The, the appeal of um, of someone like Dan Juma um, who, who could play in that role. Yeah, yeah. Dyche has sort of made comments hinting there because Cavalier did score. Well, he started in that final friendly and he scored, but then he came yeah. off at half time and then, and then Dyche hinted that the minutes weren't that safe. So, any, any brief hope of uh, DCL uh, was sort of dampened quite quickly by his manager there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sticking with forwards, David Peach asks, why has no one mentioned Callum Wilson? You know, Callum Wilson is, he's always going to be a great asset, you know, per 90 minutes. So no play, last season, no player outscored Wilson per 90 from game week 29 and onwards. He takes penalties and he's now fit. I think he got four, four goal contributions in pre-season. I mean, the only issue with Wilson is the fact that you this, the fixtures are, are really not great. And, um, you know, Villa early on, you know, we could say the same about Watkins for that first week, but then he plays Man City, Liverpool, okay, maybe not a bad fixture in terms of the high line, but then Brighton and Brantford, you know, we're talking teams that maintain pretty good defensive stats last season. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of... Going into that game, going into that first week, I would probably back Watkins over Wilson. And it also saves you a transfer anyway, doesn't it? But when fixtures do get better, 
uh, Wilson would 100% come into my mind. Yeah, I was was having a look the other day because there's a nice little switch between, I think it's game week five or game week six, where Watkins' fixtures slightly take a turn for the worse and then Newcastle's get good. So, uh, And that's a decent time to go from Watkins to either Wilson or Isak, which I guess brings up the other problem here, which is that Wilson might not even be the starting striker when, when those fixtures come around because... Certainly this Saturday against Aston Villa, I'd expect Newcastle's front three to be Almiron, Isak, Gordon, possibly Barnes. But uh... Something I noticed actually, Mark, and you may be able to answer this, is I don't think Wilson and Isaac started any ga- any of the games at the same time in pre-season. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was either one or the other, wasn't it? It was mostly one or the other, yeah. And in fact... Last season, it wasn't until game week 35 that they started together. And that was sort of, it really, it didn't benefit Isak at all um, from a fantasy perspective. He did he did play quite well um, in a football perspective, but his FPL uh, scores just disappeared when that happened. But yeah. yeah, as you say, it's probably one or the other, especially now that an extra winger has arrived and Anthony Gordon is that mythical like a new signing that people like to say sometimes. So yeah, that's probably why Wilson isn't really being mentioned so far. We have another one from Growl. It's sort of a mix between Growl and there's an H in there. Uh, What advice do you give sticking to the plan and not making panic decisions based on price changes and bandwagons. And yeah, band bandwagons can be a difficult thing to avoid, can't they? Very tempting. It's so um, hard price... to sort of stick the fingers in the ears and, and not react, isn't it? When when everyone jumps on someone. Yeah, yeah. I think we have to be really careful um with with decisions like this. I mean, there was uh, on one occasion, I think it was Ben Rama last season, he felt like a bit of a bandwagon and I avoided him and he did really well. So we we have to be really careful in in, in what we what we kind of take in information wise, because I think it's very easy to get roped in. So I think what we should do is kind of just think carefully. We, We stick to the plan, but also react with information so you know we take in the information and, and, and make a decision based on that and not what everyone else is doing pretty much and um and yeah i just think you know you, you it's okay to divert away from from the plan that you've got only if the information is back in that not just because kind of everyone else is 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 making those decisions yeah i think what i would say is the advice sticking to the plan is to maybe not really have a plan or certainly no more than one transfer planned really i think if you've already looking at game week three and thinking right i'm going to do this and this that's already that's that's that could become a problem when these price changes and bad wagons do happen but the advice could be just to have a team that's ready to go in any direction yeah, 100%. And having many in the bank as well to start the season. Again, we touched upon it before, having the many in the bank to kind of make those swaps when we need to, providing, you know, 
that as well as as well that the information is there to back the bandwagons too. And finally, just a quick one, and I think I probably know your answer to this, but is it worth upgrading a 6.5 million midfielder to Foden or Madison if it means downgrading Chilwell to a 4.5 defender? No, I I don't think so. No, that's something that I, I wouldn't do, to be honest. I kind of look at Foden and Madison as, as players to monitor early on. And and for me, the six point five millions could, could probably or will probably outscore them. I also don't like the idea of downgrading Chilwell um, to Colwell, although Colwell is is pretty reliable. Um, you know, he, he should be starting every game. There's just literally next to no attacking threat there. And I think with Chilwell, he's just so attacking. Uh, so I I kind of don't like the downgrade from Chilwell to Colwell. I don't mind like Colwell and Chilwell. You know, and maybe go for a Chelsea double defence, maybe around game week three, and when the fixtures turn, or you know, have Colwell on the bench ready to come on. I don't think he's he's not a bad option to come off the bench, uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely would um, would stick uh, stick with that. Well, brilliant, and that's a that's a good place to wrap things up. Uh, thanks for sending those questions in, guys, and thanks to you, Lewis, for your for your expertise and your team reveal. Yeah, thanks, Mark. It's going to be a, an interesting um, a few hours leading up to the deadline. And, and I, I think I'm pretty set on the team that I uh, that I gave the listeners before, so I can't imagine there being any major changes there. Yeah, and yeah. also fully aware that some of the things we've said could very quickly become old and uh, outdated. 100%. At least 24 hours ago. So it's been a pleasure to have you on this pod. Uh, please make sure to check out FF Community's improved website, which covers fantasy games for the Premier League, Champions League, the MLS, and several European leagues. Give us a follow on Twitter at FFCommunity underscore. And we hope to see you back here next time. Thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.